shall turn now to the chapter we read, Philippians chapter 4, and our text for tonight is verse 6, Philippians 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be careful for nothing. But surely we should be careful about some things. Surely we should be careful about our Christian witness. So that we don't cause others to stumble. So that we don't turn people away from the faith. We should be careful about our speech, shouldn't we? That we don't gossip. That we don't slander. That we don't tell lies. We should be careful not to hurt people. Or to lead them astray. We should be careful to worship God as he himself prescribes. We should be careful to keep the Sabbath day, shouldn't we? To, to be careless, surely. Careless is a bad thing. So what is the meaning that, of this passage here? Well, obviously, the meaning is taking careful in its original sense. Careful. Do not be full of cares. Do not be full of worries. Do not be anxious. We're not to be anxious. We're to be contented, peaceful, joyful, assured, rejoicing in the Lord always. That's not always easy, is it? So often we are anxious and troubled and worried and burdened down. But here we're told, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So, first of all, tonight, the wrong cares. The wrong cares. Jesus tells us not to be worried about your food, where it's going to come from. Think about the sparrows. Consider the fowls, they sow not, neither do they reap, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Will he not feed you, his children? Why are you worried about what you'll eat? Take no thought what you'll put on. Consider the lilies, how they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You look at the wild flowers, they're so pretty, so beautifully 
so beautiful. Who can adorn themselves in that way? It's your heavenly Father that adorns the flowers. And will he not take care of his own children? His children whom he has loved from all eternity? His children for whom he died on the cross? His children in whose heart dwells his Holy Spirit? with whom he intends to spend eternity. So take no care for food or money. Yes, we shouldn't be wasteful about our money. That's true. We shouldn't just spend it. But at the same time, we're not to be anxious about money. The Lord will provide. God looks after us. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about people. There's some people and they're, they're so anxious. I've known folk and if they meet up with some people and they're talking and spending some time talking and then they go to bed at night and they're all worried about what they said, what they didn't say. Maybe it offended. Maybe it'll cause trouble in one way or another. But we're not to be worried like that. We are to... Look to the Lord. We are to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not to our own understanding. We're not to worry about people falling out with us and criticizing us. They'll certainly do that. Marvel not that the world hate you. Before it hated you, it hated me, said Christ. Did the world not call Christ a Samaritan? It said to Jesus, you're devil-possessed, and that's how you can perform miracles. So if the world said to Jesus, you're a Samaritan and devil-possessed, what will they say to us? Jesus was sinless. You and I are sinful. Do not worry about people, what they think, what they say. Follow God. Follow him through good report through evil report, it's natural for the world to persecute you. In fact, you should take some encouragement if you're persecuted by the world. Blessed are ye when, when men shall persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So you shouldn't be surprised if, if you're persecuted or if people say nasty things to you. In fact, it should be a, an encouragement. Blessed are ye, happy, happy are ye when men persecute you, providing they're not persecuting you because you've been nasty and obnoxious and uh, in, 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 in some way or other hurting and grieving them unnecessarily. But... If we are persecuted for Christ's sake, then surely we ought to be joyful rather than worried and troubled and distressed. People often worry about their health, don't they? We have, of course, to be reasonably careful about our bodies and it's wrong to be careless about your diet and to be eating junk food and too much of it and 
it's right that we should take exercise and it's right that we should um, spend sufficient time in our beds, resting, sleeping. All these things are true, but we're not to worry about our health. <clears throat> Rather, we commit ourselves to God. God is the one who gave us life in the beginning. And there's a time to be born and a time to die. And that time is fixed by God. And you cannot add to your life one year. And you cannot take away from your life one year. It has been fixed by God. But yes, we should look after our health. But it's rather strange in this the time of the pandemic over the last two years. Some people were so careless about their health. And others were so full of cares about their health. And people erred on both sides. Some people so anxious and so frightened that they were like prisoners, terrified of catching COVID. And others were careless and thoughtless about passing it on perhaps to other people and to elderly people. You see, the Bible is so sensible. It tells us to be balanced in all that we do. It tells us moderation in all things. Don't get carried away. Don't go to extremes. Moderation in all things. And then when it comes to salvation, some people are terribly worried, full of doubts. Did I really believe in Jesus? Am I really a Christian? Have I been converted? Am I sure? Well, what are we to do? Are we to be troubled and anxious and bothered and careful about our salvation in that sense? No, we're not to be full of cares. We're to come to the Lord. To repent each day and to believe in Jesus and keep on repenting day after day and believing in Jesus and coming to him and trusting in him. And if we do that, we shall never perish. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. So we come to him and we will not be cast out. Some people worry that maybe they've committed the unpardonable sin. They get themselves into a, a terrible stress over it. But if we're anxious about these things, in a sense it shows that we're not apostates. Because apostates are people who sin and don't care about it. Who go on in their sin, thoughtless and careless and unconcerned because they've been hardened by God. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And God still sometimes hardens people's hearts today. From time to time we meet people like that. People who, yes, they seemed interested for a while. and Maybe they came to church and they were concerned about their souls. And then they turned their back on it. Always remember very early on in my ministry, a woman who became very concerned about her soul. Her sister-in-law and her brother had been converted. And she had always been the most religious one in the family. 
So she was concerned and she seemed to be crying. There she was crying, wanting peace with God and praying. I thought she was just about to be converted. And then one day I went in to see her and she said, I've decided I don't want to be converted. I'm afraid my husband will leave me. Very soon she stopped coming to church. And then she banned me from ever talking to her about salvation again. Her heart was hardened, made callous. Yes, there are some who are apostates. It seemed as if she was one of them. I don't know. God knows. Thankfully, it's not for us to judge. God knows the hearts of men and women. But we're not to be careful in the sense of being full of cares, worried and anxious and stressed all the time. But we must have a certain care for our souls. Remember this morning, one of the passages we read was about the rich fool. His grounds brought forth plentifully. He had a huge harvest and he asked himself, what shall I do? I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. And I'll store up all my goods there. And I'll say to my soul, soul, there was much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink and be merry. Take early retirement. Go on long cruises. Have a lovely time. Enjoy all this. He should have been careful about his soul, shouldn't he? But that night God said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And whose shall these things be? Tonight you're going to die. And you're lost. So there's a certain care that we have to take. But then there's the wrong care of anxiety and worry and stress and fear. Well, these are just some of the, the wrong cares. But here we see said before us the answer to care. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What are we to do with our cares? Bring them to God. Bring them in prayer. Whatever they are. Whether they refer to things of this life, like food and clothes and money, or relationships, or people who are against us, or our health. Or our salvation. Whatever it is that's worrying us. Be careful. Clinging to your cares. For nothing. But in everything. Take these cares. And bring them to the Lord. Cast them upon the Lord. Cast your burden on the Lord. And he shall you sustain. He shall uphold you. Come to the Lord with your cares. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How? By taking your cares upon myself. And then you will take my yoke 
and my burden and you will enjoy it because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast your burden on the Lord. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, not just the big things, but the little things too, in everything by prayer and supplication. God's door is always open. He's got a throne of grace, and that throne of grace welcomes you and me. The door is open, and we are to come, to come with our concerns. He loves us. As God's children, he loves us. He loved us from all eternity, and he elected us to be his own. And as children, we have access. I remember reading a story once about um, the son of Abraham Lincoln, and there was a, a, a certain soldier who was trying to, 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 to get leave during the, the Civil War. His father was dying. And this soldier, he came to the White House or wherever it was where Abraham Lincoln was. But he couldn't get in. Abraham Lincoln was busy. There was no way that he was going to listen to him or his, to, to his request. And there he was crying in the grounds of a house. And a little boy came up to him and he said, what are you crying about? And he said, well, my father's dying and I'd love to get home, but I'm in the army and I can't get away. And I wanted to go to see the president, but I can't go because the door's shut. The little boy said, you come with me. And he led him right into Abraham Lincoln, because he was Abraham Lincoln's son. And we've got the Son of God as our advocate. And he takes us into the presence of his Father. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We have access. We can come through Jesus. The door's open. We can come because he's the son of God. Yes, and we can come because we are the children of God. And we're welcome. And we're told, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So there we are. And... We have these cares, these burdens, these worries, these troubles, the things that are making us anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. What is it that you want? What would you like? What do you need? Come to God. The door is always open. You're always welcome. The throne of grace is available. It's available in this day of grace. And we're to come with our concerns, with our burdens, with our fears. And remember, our Father in heaven is wise. 
And he knows the answer. And he's not only wise, but he's powerful. And there's no limit to his power. Whatever is best, he knows what's best. Whatever needs to be done, he can do it. He can take us through whatever it is. He is able to answer our fears. He's able to sort them out. Think of Jacob at Penuel. It was night time. And fears are always worse in the night, aren't they? And there he is. And he's thinking about his brother, Esau, who said he wanted to kill him. And Esau's coming with 400 soldiers. And what's Jacob going to do? He's frightened. He's burdened. But you remember how he prayed. And how he wrestled in prayer. And how he said to God, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he got the victory. And he got the blessing. He left that place hobbling, lame, but strong. Later on in this chapter it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Yes, we can. Is there anything you cannot do through Christ? No. You can face an army of 400 men without fear. If God be for us, who can be against us? We think of David at Ziklag. When he came to Ziklag with his men, the town had been burnt with fire. Their wives and their children had been taken away captive. David and his men wept till they could weep no more. And then David's men talked about stoning David. They were desperate. They were looking for somebody to blame. David had led them into this situation. David was in danger. But what did he do? He came to the Lord. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. And he found deliverance. <clears throat> we think of Hezekiah. You remember how Hezekiah got a nasty letter from the emperor of Assyria. The most powerful leader, king, emperor in that whole area. Threatening to destroy him. What did Hezekiah do? It was deeply troubling. But he took the letter and he went to the temple. He opened out the letter and spread it before the Lord. And he said, Lord, you can read. You read the letter. And the Lord read the letter. And the Lord answered the letter. And 185,000 Assyrian soldiers died that night. God's judgment upon them. It's wonderful how God answers prayer. Think of our Lord Jesus himself. They mockingly said he trusted in God that he would deliver him. And he didn't. But he did. God did deliver him. Who with strong crying and tears prayed unto him that was able to save him from death and he was heard in that he feared. He came in prayer at Gethsemane praying earnestly 
and God answered him, sent an angel to comfort him, but not just that, gave him his spirit to enable him to go through. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment unto the Gentiles, who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God. God heard him and delivered him from death. He rose the third day victorious over death. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer, and then supplication, more earnest prayer, and then thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, because you know your prayer is going to be answered, because God's promised to answer it. And God will do what's best. And what is good the Lord will give. Yes, he always does. This poor man cried, God heard and saved him from all his distresses. The angel of the Lord encamps and round encompasseth all those about that do him fear. And then delivereth. Yes, God hears, God answers Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving because God will help. God does help and we are to give thanks to God. We're not to be like the nine lepers. Remember the ten lepers who cried to Jesus for healing? Jesus told them to go, to go and show themselves to the priest and while they went, they were healed and one of them came back and Jesus said, one of them came back to give thanks to Jesus. And Jesus said, were there not ten healed? But where are the nine? Only one in ten. And the one in ten was a Samaritan. A despised Samaritan. Are we like the nine? Or like the one? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And then we notice how peace is given. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts through Jesus Christ. Peace shall keep, peace shall guard. That's the, sort, that's the idea of the Greek here. Peace shall surround you and guard you and keep you. How wonderful that is. From time to time, peace comes into your heart, doesn't it? As a child of God. I remember peace coming into my heart one night. So I was struggling and seeking, seeking the Lord as a teenager. And then this wonderful peace. Peace that passes knowledge. Peace that cannot be described. So rich, so full so deep, so comforting, so assuring. God gives peace in the midst of turmoil 
and fear and anxiety. Bring your supplications to God and God gives peace. When we're helpless, when we're lost, peace. When we feel there's no hope for us, our situation is desperate, peace. Cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. What comfort. Cast your cares upon him, because he cares for you. Relax and rest in God. Come to him. Labouring, burdened, stressed, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Maybe you've heard devastating news. Perhaps something terrible has happened. Maybe you've just learned that you're suffering from cancer. There's a woman in our congregation down in Glasgow. Three years ago, she had gone to the Beetson Hospital. She was told, you've got three weeks to live. Three weeks to live. At that time, she was a member of a little, a tiny little Baptist church. She said to her husband, well, I know there's a prayer meeting on, it was Tuesday night, I know there's a prayer meeting on tonight in in Knightswood Free Church continuing. Let's go there. And that's where she went. To cast her burden on the Lord. To pray to the Lord. That was three years ago. She's still there today. She still worships in Knightswood. The cancer stopped. And she still struggles on. Not great health, but great faith. Rejoicing in the Lord and his provision for her. It's wonderful how God works in people's lives. Tremendous how God answers prayer. Now it's not always God's wish when you pray to him for healing to heal you. Because we've all got to die. And this is not our home. We're on our journey. And one day... Once we are ready, once the Lord thinks we're ready, he'll take us home. This is not our home. We're strangers here. We're pilgrims in this world. We're passing through. As long as we have a work to do, we'll remain here. But when our work is done, and when God's work in us is done, then he'll take us home. Our home is in heaven, and we're on a journey there. Some get there quicker than others. When we're ready, the Lord will take us. To depart and to be with Christ is far better. But sometimes God leaves us for further trials. The children of Israel, when they left the land of Egypt, they were looking forward to entering the promised land. They thought it wouldn't be long before they reached the land of Canaan. But actually it took them 40 years. 
They had so much to learn in the wilderness. They had many experiences to go through. And it was only after these 40 years of trials and tribulations that they were ready to cross the Jordan and possess the promised land. Remember how Paul had the thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan which buffeted him. It was hard, it was painful. A deep thorn in the flesh and he couldn't get it out. We're not told what exactly it was. Maybe it was some illness. Some people think it might have been blindness. We don't know. But he had it and he wanted rid of it. He felt it kept him back from the ministry that he was involved in. If only he could get rid of this thorn, he could do so much more for the Lord. That's what he thought. And so he prayed earnestly three times that the Lord would take away the thorn. And God said, no. You need the thorn. It keeps you humble. It keeps you dependent upon you, upon me. But God didn't take the thorn away. But he did answer his prayer. He answered his prayer in that he gave him grace to bear it. My grace is sufficient for you and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so the apostle gloried in tribulation and he gloried in the thorn much more than he gloried in the visions that he had of heaven. Yes, we need these thorns but we're to come to the Lord with them. And the Lord either takes them away or gives us the grace to bear with them. And you notice how it says here, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Every good thing that we get is through Jesus Christ. Every blessing that comes to us, comes to us because it was earned for us by our Saviour. To me, to live is Christ, said the Apostle. To die is gain. Christ is everything. Every blessing for Jesus' sake. And so every prayer that we make, we pray for Jesus' sake. And so the peace of God that fills us, that calms us, that assures us and comforts us, the peace of God comes to us through Jesus Christ. And then finally, we're to walk in this peace. To walk in peace. To proceed onwards in peace. The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. We are to be reconciled to the will of God. Whatever God says, we've got to accept it. We're not to fight against it. We're not to be fighting with God, resisting him. We're to take whatever comes our way. Be content 
with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be content. Stop being covetous. Stop being envious. Stop being troubled. Stop striving after something that's not yours and that's not meant to be yours. But be content with such things as you have. For he is your God. He's with you. And notice these words in verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What a wonderful verse that is. My God shall supply. Not he might, but he shall. And he shall supply not all your wants, all the things that you might desire, but he shall supply all your needs. Whatever you need, God will supply. And he will supply it not in some miserly way, but according to his riches and glory. According to the infinite riches that are his. And it's all, of course, by Jesus Christ. Everything coming to us through Jesus Christ. And so then, verse 4, we're to rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Whatever happens, be joyful. Whatever troubles come your way, look to the Lord, pray to the Lord about it, and rejoice that God's got it under control. As Christians, we've got no right to be sad. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord often. No. Rejoice in the Lord always. We're always to be joyful. Always to be rejoicing. Always to be happy. Not with ourselves, of course. We're disappointed with ourselves. But rejoice in the Lord. The Lord who loved us, the Lord who died for us, the Lord who dwells in us, the Lord who saved us and who's bringing us to heaven. The Lord has got a great plan for our lives. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, just in case you didn't get it the first time, again I say, rejoice. Rejoice always and rejoice again. We've got no right to grumble. And it's very sad when you see grumbling Christians. I remember in my first congregation, I had a, an old lady and I used to visit her and she was always moaning, always grumbling. She'd been a long time a Christian, professing Christian since her youth. But she was grumbling, always grumbling. And one day one of her daughters said to me, it's no wonder we're not Christians. There's our mother there professing to be a Christian. She's always complaining. How sad. Terribly sad. If we're real Christians, that's not the way to behave. If we're real Christians, we're to rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Always joyful and always showing to the world that joyful face and always saying to the world it's great to be a Christian. 
wonderful to be a Christian. Nothing better than being a Christian. The Christian life is great. And the Christian's got a great future. You should be a Christian too. And if, you've no, if you're not a Christian, your life is miserable. But however miserable it might be in this life, there's a miserable, miserable eternity ahead of you. But it's great to be a Christian. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not in yourself, but in the Lord. Circumstances might be hard, but the Lord cares. And the Lord measures every drop that he puts in your cup. And the Lord will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will also with the temptation make a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a Christian. That's what the new birth is. The Holy Spirit coming to live in your heart. And when the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart, the fruit of the Spirit is there. So the Christian is somebody who has the Spirit. And having the Spirit, they have love. Love to God and love to one another. They have joy. Joy in God. Joy in the forgiveness of their sins. Joy in their prospect of salvation. And they have peace. Peace in their conscience. Peace in their circumstances. Peace with the world. And they have long-suffering because they trust in God and they know that God's looking after their concerns. And so they're careful about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, letting their requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep their hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. O Lord our God, we thank Thee for the teachings of Scripture, how relevant they are, and how suited to our condition, to our situation. We thank Thee that Thou hast set before us in Thy Word the way we are to live, and we thank Thee that Thou hast provided us with everything that we need for this life and for the next. We thank thee, Lord, that it says in thy word, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So help us, Lord, to rejoice in thee always. Bless us each one, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Our concluding praise is Psalm 55 and verses 22 and 23. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast thou thy burden on the Lord, and he shall thee sustain. Yea, he shall cause the righteous man unmoved to remain. Verses 22 to the end. <coughs> Cast thou thy burden on the Lord, and give 
traditions are as follows. The prayer meeting on Thursday evening, as usual, at 7.30. Uh, next Sabbath, the services at the usual times, 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. The balance of the order of the June edition of the Witness magazine <coughs> is now on the table, ready for collection by those who didn't get one in the first batch. And I remember Mr. McGlynn, who's got COVID at this time. And uh, there's a fellowship now in the manse, and uh, you're all you're free, welcome to come along. Uh, the easiest access to the manse is by the passageway from the hall. You can make your way straight through to the manse. And it says it would be appreciated if those planning to go to the fellowship would kindly use the toilets in the church. It makes it a bit easier. But you're very welcome to come, and we hope that many of you will come to the manse for some further fellowship. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.